Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hi, and thank you for tuning in to the latest show from the Glasgow's Green Podcast, a.k.a. Gigpod. It's episode 72, and what do you know, it's another away win for Celtic, and a clean treat to boot with some really bizarre results this weekend in our wonderful Scottish Premiership. Halloween season indeed. I'm Stevie, and for the second weekend in a row, I'm joined by the true voice of the Celtic fans. It's John Rizzo Reid. John, hello, and first off, we never predicted the correct score here but we did predict a Celtic win. It's two points each in the quest for a free lunch. How are you? Uh, Hi Stevie, hi everyone. Yes, I'm fine. Yes, as you said, we both went for Celtic to concede a goal yesterday. That shows how little faith we had in the team. I went for 2-1, you went for 3-1. Of course, it's 2-0. So after the first round of games, it's two points each. So who knows what will happen next in the the free lunch competition. It truly is a, a topsy-turvy world we're living in indeed, John. And, you know, before the game, I'd, here's where we are different because you were groaning before the kickoff, Um And I I was a wee bit, not concerned, but I was a wee bit miffed with the fact that we had the Rogic and Turnbull situation again. But Ange turned out to shut us up because Rogic set up one of the goals and Turnbull scored an absolute screamer. We'll get to them a wee bit later on, but but I mean, I, I didn't think it was that concerning the lineup. I was happy to see Bowley back in the team as well, to be honest with you. And I thought just that team would have had a bit too much formidable, and they did. But what were you concerned about pre-match? I was concerned because uh, Rogic and Turnbull hadn't really worked well together this season, especially if you look at the Livingston game, where they absolutely stunk the place out. But I think the big difference was that uh, Cal McGregor, as far as I remember, didn't play that day, and Cal McGregor was absolutely brilliant yesterday. He, in the games that him and Kyogo missed, I think more people were focusing on Kyogo, and rightfully so, because he scored so many goals, but Cal McGregor was a much bigger loss. I mean, you've seen how important he is to Scotland when they had to come on during the week to try and rescue that game against the Pharaohs, and 
he helped do that. He didn't score the goal or anything, but he helped the team gain control of the game. And yesterday, I thought he was fantastic. He is Celtic's most important player by far now, and I'm much more confident about us getting results with him in the team. Yeah, it was it was like an understated McGregor performance yesterday, wasn't it? It was like he just dictated that game, and that's what he's capable of, John. He's, he is a brilliant player for us, and as you say, uh, even at Scotland level now, we're at the point where, as a nation, without Callum McGregor, we're a very, very ordinary team, and that speaks volumes for how he's elevated his game after last season where he was a huge disappointment, but he wasn't the only one. But I think a lot of that job with McGregor was probably down to the fact that he had a really good Euros, didn't he? Certainly against England and Croatia. He was excellent in the Euros. I mean, that performance against uh, England, I think probably will again be forgot about because he was understated and everybody was going bananas over Billy Gilmore. You can understand that. He's like, all at the start of his career and he was great. But I think that, I don't want to make it the Scotland is green podcast, but... That partnership, uh, him, uh, McGinn and Gilmore is brilliant for Scotland and you could see the same sort of thing yesterday, the way he was recycling the ball, he was dropping deep to get it, he was pushing Celtic forward at times, looking up where the midfielder's noise, massively important and that contract he signed uh, a few weeks ago really was a good bit of business, it might have been overlooked a wee bit because Celtic was struggling at that time but no, it's great that he's going to be the linchpin of the side for years and I think he can stays in the team as long as uh, Scott Brown did. Yeah, agreed. And I think he, it's a desire, isn't it? He's got the hunger to achieve more at Celtic. And you can tell that even yesterday on the part, do you know what I noticed, John? don't know if you did see it as well, but it was a bit when, <laughs> you know, that incident with Willie Collin when it held up about eight minutes of the game. I saw a lot of players like uh, Tony Watt and Joe Hart just speaking to each other during that. You had... Um, the guy McGabby, I think it was, and Abada just chatting during the game. The camera was focusing on them, but you saw McGregor through a lot of that, John. He was like really, really motivating the team, you know, to keep themselves stretched, telling them what they should be doing during the game and where they should be. And I just found that it was like that would have been, I mean, we wouldn't have saw any of that last season, especially even for Scott Brown. And I'm not having the put in here that Scott Brown at all. We both know he was brilliant for us in his Celtic career but I just think at times we lacked a lot of leadership last season and certainly when you saw that with McGregor like he was really really grown into that role when I found that dead interesting that he was you know shouting out to a lot of the team at a stage when the uh, concentration levels could have possibly dropped he was keeping them motivated which was really good to see I did notice that uh, he was one of the really the only players that did that and no that is like what a captain should do and as you say I mean I don't think that would have happened last season just because of a bizarre circumstances, I mean the crowd did make a difference, I mean yesterday was a bit like a throwback to the good old days when it came through that Rangers had hilariously gave away a 91st minute equaliser you heard the fans celebrating like when uh, the news of the goal came through, I mean I wonder when the last time that happened, like the two teams playing each other at 3 o'clock on a Saturday Certainly 3 o'clock on a Saturday, um, you know me when I'm really good at picking out certain incidents in, in Celtic history and all that with the the time and the month and stuff, I'm a weirdo that way. I don't remember that, John, but I do remember, I think it was 2008, we played Inverness with 1-2-1, Samara scored a header, and I think Rangers were playing at the same time. I think they were struggling, they, they eventually maybe won. But aye, that was that was quite interesting, that was a good wee throwback to the glory days. Well, it wasn't really the glory days of the 90s, but you didn't have social media ruining everything, I suppose. Anyway, I can moan here about social media, John, but we have a game to talk about. Yesterday's game, the 2 win. Where do we start? I mean, I thought Jota's goal was an absolute belter. I, I saw someone yesterday 
I think it might have been on a, a forum, I think it was on Kerrydale Street, and they were just saying how Rogic did all the hard work and it was a nice wee tap-in for Jota, but I thought it was a great finish. I don't think it was a tap-in at all. I thought, I mean, it was a total <laughs> selling Jota shot because he had a lot to do, and he really put it the one place that Kerry wasn't expecting. It was a fantastic finish. I thought it was a great goal all around. I know we're going to talk about him in a minute, but Hugo did well for the start of the goal, and after that, Groaned about Rogic starting that pass was sublime. It was like the Tom Rogic of old. He's one of the few players in Scottish football that would even think about doing that. And as you say, that really was a good finish. But Jota, at first, I thought it was going to go to the other side, but then no, I sort of took Kelly by surprise. I think, and it really was a good goal. And I think he's been excellent for us, Jota. I mean, I don't know about getting him to sign on a permanent basis. I hope we can. I'll be big money, but you know there's going to be demand there because. Week by week, he's becoming more and more important for the team. And I think when James Forrest is back, I'll be him in one wing and Jota in the other because Jota thoroughly deserves to keep his place in the team. And it was a very, very good goal. Yeah, one of my mates, Mark, who's been on Gigpod as well, he's got Jota as a card on Sorel. He runs a Sorel Odyssey podcast. And he just honestly, that I think the stats and the performance levels Jota's getting on that itself alone, there's more and more people outside the football world, there's just more fans worldwide being um, more tuned into him and his performances and it's going to be very, very hard to keep him, I think, because you know what agents are like, John, and all it will take is you'll have some right decent teams in Spain, even Portugal, looking at him and agents will be doing all they can to sort of progress him as much as he will. I really hope we can keep him because he's been fantastic for us. There is, do you think there's going to be a dip with Jota though, John? Do you think at some point there's going to be like a downturn in form and it'll be it'll be quite interesting to see how he sort of picks himself up from that? Well, you never know because, I mean, it's his first season at Celtic. I mean, he has high expectations. You need to win every week. Um, He might, and he's still only a young guy, but no, you can tell that he's enjoying his football and if he's no overplayed. I think he should be able to maintain that level of football. I mean, I think most will maybe get out of him is 10 goals and 10 assists, and that's still very good, I think. But no, I think if like we can like measure these moments, I mean, I don't think he'll start every game, as I say. But I think for the moment he deserves to, but I think maybe when Forrest is back, it'll be him or Bada and Jota maybe interchanging the, the, between them because I know that I think the manager likes a batter. He keeps, he keeps playing him all the time even when he has quiet games. So, no, I mean, if we can like measure his game time well, I think that he can keep performing well throughout the season. I would hope he doesn't have a dip. Yeah, same. And speaking of dips, what was your thoughts on a batter yesterday? I saw him come in for a lot of criticism, but I think people might be in a wee bit harsh as well, if I'm honest. Yet again, you've got to factor in his age, the time that he's came to Celtic, it's not a settled team and he's made a really good impact. He is going to have the type of games and I think Abada, you know, when Forrest is fit and comes back, I would have, you know, James Forrest, you know my thoughts on him as a, as a first choice right winger, but Abada is certainly a player like me, John, that can still do the business for us. He's already shown he can and is it a bad thing if Abada is maybe an impact player for us, if he's having a wee bit dip in form as well, because he could do a brilliant job off the bench? I was thinking that myself. I mean, I think the problem yesterday was that in the first half, especially, our, our cross balls were poor. They kept missing the man. It wasn't just a bad, I know that was like, everybody was to blame for that. And like it stopped attacks in their tracks completely. So, no, I mean, I think he could do well off the bench. I mean, he's the sort of guy that I think we could maybe do a rest in a wee bit because he has played a lot of games. As you say, he's only young. I think he just turned 20 last month. And he has a good start. I mean, I think he scored six goals. I said, there's six goals and four assists, or four assists and six goals, one or the other. But no, that is good for a young guy in his first season at Celtic and 
he can score goals. That's what we want wingers to do as well as like create chances. And I think you're right, he could do well off the bench. I mean, especially if a team are tiring, I think he would do well against them. I mean, I think Forrest could do that as well. Forrest, on his, when he comes back, I think he'd be really good at an impact as an impact sub. Ange, after the game, he said right from the start, we controlled the game well. It's very hard to control a game away from home, especially here. I don't know if he saw a record at Fur Park because... Even last season, when we were terrible, we did go there and trounce some 4 1. Season before, under Lenny, we beat them 5 2 and 4 0. Had a couple of draws under Brendan, but generally, for part John, we've always had a good record there. We've been fairly comfortable. And I think the last time we actually lost was back in April 2013, when the league was already done. So. I think that's a bit of a myth that Fur Park is a hard place to go, even though Vulnerable did have a decent start to the season. So I don't know who's been giving Ange that info. But he is right, we controlled the game well, John, and you were pretty impressed with how the second half went as well when we were texting each other yesterday. I, I thought we played well. I mean, you were talking about how Motherwell were poor, and they were, but it's the first away game we've had in the league this season that we've won comfortably. Every other one's been a struggle. We've either lost or up at Pataudry we scored in the last 10 minutes. So no, I was... We were both about worried before the game. I mean, because Motherwell have done well this season. I mean, they can beat off Hearts in the last game before the split, but they went to Ibrox and got a draw. They were well up there on the table. Okay, we've got a good record there, but we've had good records at places before and stiffed badly. So, no, I mean, I was just wanting us to have a, a no-fuss, no-frills win because I think this Celtic team needs more of that if we're going to win the league, which I think we still are capable of. And... We just need to put it, you know, we're talking in the prediction pod about how these away games, and we're talking about before the Aberdeen game, how these away games are coming up are going to be huge for Ange and the team. And then we've won the first two, and that's all that Emily could ask for. And I think the now performances come second to results. I'll even be the same, I think, again in Tuesday and next Saturday against St. Johnson. Most important thing is getting the wins. And I thought we played well in the second half, and I have to say, Turnbull's goal was absolutely brilliant. I mean, I know he's been getting stick at times this season, and at times rightfully so, but brilliant goal. And it wasn't as it's sort of, it was a different type of goal, but it sort of reminded me of another legendary goal there, scored by Paul Lambert the week after we beat Rangers 2 on in 1998. Remember that goal? John, it's me in history, so yes, I do. Um, <laughs> of course you do. Do you know the trivia for that one as well? It's quite interesting, the, the audience might not know, but see when Paul Lambert scored that goal, do you know he was playing through flu? Is that right, my God, what a guy. He def- oh, had the flu, what a legend, and some people say Barry Ferguson was better. No chance, he actually scored another brilliant goal at Motherwell that I think people might not remember, because it was live on Satan, and I think it was in the run-up to Seville when he sort of lobbed it over the goalie, and we went for nothing, that was a, that's a sort of forgotten one, it was brilliant. Before that, where he scored, it was like a double one-two he scored as well. Aye, that was, that was a, that we won for nothing, I think, we won for nothing that, this night as well, but I'm sure he scored two, and the second one was like a sort of weird looking volley and we went top of the league I remember because it was in the run up to Seville because I remember going in the game where they was talking about how they were all going to Seville and I couldn't go because I had a uni exam the same day <sighs> such as life the nation moans John thank you brother anyway that's another one for another day for the history podcast that we do whenever it is that you will run and I'll have nothing to be a part <laughs> of <laughs> but anyway um, speaking of history we all thought volleyball and goalie was going to be uh, history and he has came right into the team again. I thought he was brilliant yesterday. Now, again, I'm aware that he's going to have tougher challenges, right? And I'm, I know Motherwell didn't really have a lot out wide. Um, if anything, Bowley had a very easy afternoon. But he still had to turn up. 
still had to be confident and he still had to be very much a part of that system. And I thought he did really well. And John, I would not drop Bowley for the game against St. Johnson. In fact, the biggest question for me is now why were Celtic leaving him out of that Europa League squad? Because if anything, and I've said it before, John, he is the best option we've got the now at left back until I'd, I'd assume we're going to strengthen again in January there. But Bowley just shouldn't be dropped. I thought he was excellent yesterday. Firstly, I don't think we will strengthen here because we've got loads of players that can play left back. We've got Bowley. We've got Greg Taylor, William Scales, Adam Montgomery, even Juranovic, so I don't think we'll buy another left-back. I agree, though. I thought he was excellent. Excellent above that inexplicable handball, which I don't know what he was thinking at all with it. No, no, hold on. Just to say that if that did go to VAR, if it got introduced, it was the murderable player that actually handballed it onto him too. I saw the replays of it, and the murderable player was offended with it. Oh, well, okay then, well. I'll let him away with that. And it did look odd when I saw it at the time and unsurprisingly the press did go on about it a bit well. No talking about a terrible challenge in Turnbull. But we won't talk about that. But uh, no, I thought it was excellent and I agree with you. I don't know why Celtic didn't pick him in the Europa League squad. It was one of the many mysteries that surround Celtic at the moment. It just it seems odd. I mean, okay, but going away to Spain last season, we've talked about it before, was ridiculous and I'm not surprised the club like sent him out and loan, but no, I thought it was really good. He'd done all that was asked for him. He was solid in defence. He'd done well enough in attack. And as you say, I'd keep him in the team for St. Johnson next week. And I think he probably will play because he'll be rested at least compared to the rest of the team. And I don't know who'll play in left back. I think and choose. I think it'll probably be Montgomery if he's back for I don't know if Juranovic will be back in time. But no, I think for the time being, Bowen Goalie deserves a run on the team until somebody else is fit again or in deserves to be proud of the team now. I thought he'd done well in good order. I actually thought he did quite well at Livingston as well. I mean, but what garbage at Livingston in that day and he was one of the few that had pass marks. So, no, good on him. Agreed. Well done to the big man. On the opposite flank, John, we had Anthony Ralston, who again, I thought was decent. Delivery was a wee bit questionable at times, but um, I put out a tweet today and I did say that I think Anthony Ralston's okay for us. And certainly this season, John, he shut a lot of people up, including me and you. But I do think that Celtic team will be more balanced if you've got Bolly out there at left-back and Juranovic comes in at right-back when he's fit. I think when you see that, you'll see a Celtic team gradually improving um, and they'll be a far more assured at the back. Do you agree with that? I do agree. And I think that seems to help is that yesterday, I didn't see he's doing the ridiculous inverted winger stuff as much that we had done before the break and was just costing us badly at times. I think that Ange has been a bit more pragmatic and I think it paid off uh, big time yesterday. That game yesterday was just like a normal Celtic win away from home in the Premier League and that's what we were crying out for. I mean, okay, Motherwell, you didn't think they were great, I didn't think they were great either, but it was just like a Celtic win you'd see 99 times at 100 and that's the first one we've had in the league away from home this season. And if we get more of them, even if we get one at Easter Road in a couple of weeks, which I think we could, then it could be a good season. One of the big things that I took away from that is that Murrow went 4-3-3 and I think Grimshaw, Slattery and Goss, after the first 10 minutes when you had, you know, the front three of Watt, Willery and Roberts were, were pressing and then they never seemed to do it after the opening 10 minutes but my midfield just never got a grip in the game. It, that guy Goss, who was at Rangers as well during the, was it the Murty years, he had Slattery and Grimshaw. They didn't know if they were meant to be attacking, didn't know if they were defending. They were all over the place, John, and that's what I noticed. That's why I think I saw Rogic and, and 
certainly Turnbull as well, getting far more time in the ball than what they've been used to away from home recently. I think at times Turnbull um, had so many options, especially in that first half after the opening 10 minutes. And I did, that's when I was texting you saying, I think Motherwell are, are here for the taking. And they were just generally very poor. I know they had a good start of the season, John. It was like when they get that draw at Ibrox, I think that was maybe a fluke more than anything. Um, and it was a bit of a surprise result. And I think Motherwell after that, I'll probably have a bit of a nosedive and I'd imagine, you know, for all that hype about them having a good run and everything and how they go for teams, you never saw any of that yesterday. It's hard to tell really because this season has been odd. I mean, we'll talk about the results this weekend in a minute, but it's so tight at the top of the table. I mean, nobody's really started that well. And you've got a team like Aberdeen who are quote-unquote the third probably the third biggest team squad and they're a joke now. So, you don't know yet. It's going to take time. I think maybe we're all including me and you, probably were panting a bit much about how we started the season. And I know that if we like, don't win next Saturday, it'll be panic stations again. But no, when you think of how Selic have started the season, we're doing okay. I'll go I'll go as far as that. I'm just happy yesterday was a win with a minimum of us. And do you want to say something quick about Kyogo and what he done for the first goal? Because I know you were talking about that. You wouldn't have got that from like a Yeti or GG, as you want to call him. I doubt that anyway. But Kyogo, for all he was quite in front of goal, I mean, that first goal doesn't happen if you don't get that work rate and that desire and that energy. So I thought he was fantastic for that, and I know that you are very much echoing my thoughts with it. By the way, I thought Gigi done well yesterday when he came on. I thought he should have had a shot and goal rather than pass when he got he get played in. But I thought he done well, and he was very vocal as well, and like seemingly desperate to get in about it. So I think he honestly could be a decent player for us. Well, again, it's very, very early days, isn't it? We'll hopefully have to see him getting a bit of a run in the team, and hopefully... There's a good bit of squad management with this run coming up. So it would be nice to see him. Certainly, I think in a game like next Saturday against St Johnston, if, and I'm not just assuming here, but if maybe we're 2-0 up, half an hour to go, you bring him on and get him more minutes and get him up to fitness. Because you've got to remember, John, and the manager said as well, he did miss a lot of pre-season and he was way off it not so long ago. Um, And you know how that is when you miss a pre-season, you're always playing catch-up. But yeah, hopefully he does get a run. John, very quickly before we move on to something else, just a shout out as well. I know we've got a clean sheet, but one of the big things to talk about was the game management yesterday was good because how often have we seen away from home in that Celt- with that Celtic team? That even at two 0 up, all it takes is a you know a decision, a break, anything, and we're on the back foot, and then we look as if we're unsure ourselves. You know, defending and seeing the game out, we didn't let Murrow in it whatsoever yesterday we kept the ball really well a lot of that was down to McGregor recycling it well John but a wee shout out to the defence because I felt as much I've criticised Starfelt and I don't think yesterday is going to be the the telling sign that he's turned the corner or anything but does deserve credit because they just never gave Motherwell a sniff whatsoever and this is a Motherwell team who have a striker apparently it's Scotland standard in Tony Watt, which I don't agree with, but I don't know what you think. I don't Tony Watt's Scotland standard, I don't know who said that. Well, there's been shouting, there's been people shouting about it, saying how he should have been in the Scotland team because uh, Lyndon Dykes is going to be unavailable. No, Lyndon Dykes is a much better player than Tony Watt, no. I mean, I like Tony Watt, obviously, for that goal against Barcelona, but he's no Scotland class, no. But no, I mean, the defence done fine. I think Motherwell, I think there was only one daft thing when Starfield and sort of Carvacas let the ball bounce between each other right at the end of the first half, because I remember you texting me, going ballistic about it. But no, I mean, I think Marwell really had one chance towards the end of the game when the guy got ahead of Watt and headed over the bar. But no, we were comfortable, and that's what Celtic need right now. And as you say, I don't know if Starfield and Carter Vickers are the answer. And see that Ange said that Christopher Julian's back in training, so he could be back 
relatively soon, which can only be good. No, it's, I mean, I think it's a first away clean sheet this season. And it's a team that have been playing well. So, all in all, it was a good performance. And no complaints for once. Well done, Celtic. Can I also just say as well, that's Tom Rogic went to Fur Park again just last season and had an absolute stormer. So it's like against Aberdeen as well, he seems to have his teams that he just hurts. And yesterday was one of them, wasn't it? It was, aye. He's, uh, he's actually good at times against Rangers as well. which He's not been the last couple of times, but he's good against them too. But no... That was a brilliant pass. I mean, as I said, he's one of the only few players in Scottish football they would even think of that. So he done well. After I'd criticised it for starting, he, he made me eat my words. Right, Jonathan. Now you mentioned Rangers, and this is a very controversial topic on this podcast because you don't like me focusing on them because I always tell you that I think this season they just remind me of us. Last season, I think there's a collapse imminent. I really, really do. Yesterday, they drew one each with hearts. That was massive news for us. We saw that... You know, the fans were so buoyed by that and we've cut the gap now to four points. Rangers, from what I saw yesterday, Hearts could have scored a couple into them as well. Um, They certainly seemed to dominate it 70 minutes onwards. John, I'm just going to say that now this Rangers side just don't impress me and that was why it was infuriating that we lost there at Ibrox. But we can put it right if we do keep pressure on them and hopefully take them apart at Celtic Park in January. What was your thoughts when the news came through that Hearts had scored in the 90th minute? Obviously, I was delighted because I didn't expect it. And uh, I seen the highlights last night, and I have to say, the Rangers did miss, hilariously, some big chances. I mean, Morelos missed an open goal. Actually, Hearts had, did have some good chances themselves, but I think probably on average, Rangers still won the game. But when you don't score that goal, that gives our team a chance. And Al McGregor did make a hilarious mistake to flap at the ball, and Craig Halkett, a uh, Livingston legend, who gave us problems loads of times when we failed to win there, <laughs> he did it in. And I have to say, I can't believe how well Hearts are doing at all. When you look at the two games we've played against them, okay, we lost that first game in the season against them, but we had a goal chopped off that was onside. We were a much better team. We gave away a stupid goal at the end. Then the League Cup, no world to lie, we could have scored seven or eight goals in the first half. And they're the only team unbeaten in the league. And I just... I'm shocked by that because they have no impressed me at all. So, well done to Robin Nielsen because I just, I'm shocked by how well Hearts are doing this season. And same with Dungeon United as well. I mean, we'll just talk about them briefly, but that Tam Courts is doing very well for them. They beat Rangers. They got a point off us. Okay, should have won again. And then they go Easter Road, a place where me and you have both predicted we won't win a week on Wednesday. And they beat them 3 nothing, and they were comfortable winners as well. So, this could be a sort of... An interesting league this season because nobody is really playing well. We seem to be finally getting their act together. And I don't know, I think we're slightly lucky that this Rangers team have been pretty poor as well. And we're still four, four points is still too much, but we're, we're still in it. And okay, I, I, the reason I don't like to talk about Rangers that much is because you're always saying things like, oh, they're absolute crap. And then we go and flop miserably against somebody like Livy. So wait until we start putting wins on the road. Wait till we start going on a win and run and we're ahead of them. Then we can start going about how we're brilliant in their crap. But I'd no want to go on about it that much. No, well, we're still getting their act together. That's why I don't like saying things like, oh, Rangers are rubbish. Like you always do. And then it comes back to bite you. Nah, I'm still bullish enough to say that we'll get our act together and they will have an absolute collapse. I think we will as well. I think we'll get our act together as well. But <laughs> it's too early to know. If we win on Tuesday, win on Saturday... And win at Easter Road, which I do think we will. Nurov saw Hibs 
then, okay, then we can get the big talk. But let's talk about Tuesday's game now. Right, okay, yeah, we'll talk about that game. And it's Ferenc Varos. Ferenc Varos at home at this ridiculous kickoff time that we all know about. We've covered it. So they played yesterday. They lost 2-1 at home. John, I'm not even going to try and pronounce the name of this team that they lost to went home to, but they were 2-0 down after 20 minutes. They pulled a goal back, but they couldn't get back into the game. They're still top of the league, right enough. In fact, actually, no, they're not. They're second. They're second because a team, Kesvarda, who are playing the now, are top by a point. And because they're playing the now, it's one game over, Fens Varos, but still, they're down to second in the league. But I have to say, John, I'm a wee bit... I'm regretting my draw prediction because I think at our result yesterday, and their result yesterday could very well have a bearing on Tuesday's match. And uh, it looks like you might very well take the lead for this free lunch challenge. Well, I hope so. That's almost as important as Celtic getting the win. <laughs> no, and actually, i seen that Celtic released a, a sort of interesting statement on Friday night saying the ticket sales for the game have been excellent. And Andrew's bigging up the number of fans here. So I'm, I'm not sure what that means. Like Maybe there'll be 30, 35,000 there. And that is good. For a Tuesday afternoon, if we've got like, I think 20,000 would be good, but if it's only like 35,000, that'd be great. And I think the people there will be getting right behind the team. Maybe a lot of people that don't go to games will be going because it's they're available to go on a Tuesday. And it's a Tuesday afternoon. It's so weird. But no, I think if we adopt a similar approach to what we did on Saturday, okay, Ferenc Varas are obviously better than Motherwell, then I think we could get the winner. The midfield will be all important. and and McGregor, again, will be up to him to keep recycling the ball and keeping the team in the front foot and giving it constantly. Roger and Tumble, who will probably play. I think it'll probably be the same team that started yesterday, except obviously Ball and Goalie can't play. It'll, I'd imagine it'll be Montgomery if he's fit. If not, I'm not sure who'll play. Scales, maybe, if he's in the squad. I'm not sure if he is. He is in the squad, John. He definitely he is. is in the squad, yeah. Well, he might play, which would be a big step up for him because he's only ever played like, as a sub against Wraith before, but he's in the squad for a reason. Bowling goal isn't. <laughs> I don't know what that is. But no, I'm fairly confident as well. I'm, I don't know. I took a lot for yesterday. I know that you have said Motherwell were crap and they were, but I was impressed. And I think if we can adopt that same sort of mindset and this run, which I think we both agree is going to define a lot of how the season goes, then I think Sally can keep winning. And I said in the production competition that I think we'll win and I do think we'll win. And it's good to see that you've come round as well and you think we'll win as well. I can't change my prediction now, John, and I'm just going to have to stick with the 2 2 1 that I went with. Now, I obviously hope I'm wrong and I hope you do take the lead, but we shall see. Right, so, John, before we go, we just have to say to the audience that next Saturday we're both going to be at the St Johnston game. After it, we're going to meet up for a couple of swigs of beer for the Whopping Men. And we could be doing a live pod in person for the first time ever. Well, not the first time we've been in the pod together, but no, first live pod, the Glasgow Agreed Pod version 2.0. What, a, what an exciting day it'll be in. I, St. Johnson, who we built up as this big, huge test for us, lost 3 nothing at home to Livingston yesterday, so that's Scottish football for you. What a weird league. Ex-Celtic defender, FM Bros with an absolute howler for the third. Did you see it? I did. Him and another defender ran right in each other, but the second one was even worse. Xander Clark had it into a St. Johnson player's legs, and it went, it bounced, ricocheted to a Levy player, and he had like an empty net. It was far worse defending than anything we've done this season. It was pathetic, and I think we both went for Celtic to win that game anyway, so 
I think we will. We can talk about that when we do the live gig pod extravaganza. Yes, cannot wait, John. And just for the audience as well, um, next Saturday, myself and Hamish at 67 Hail Hail will probably be doing something too. So it will be a busy day after the game to talk about Celtic. But, John, it's the best thing to talk about when all things are going well, isn't it? It is. They've not went well that often this season, but yesterday was good. It was a throwback to the good old days. Celtic winning, Rangers dropping points. Celtic are back on track, just as we predicted. Correct. John, just before you sign off as well and do your usual to the audience, I just wanted to give a shout out to my mate Mark, my pal Sean, who have both been on this podcast, making fantastic points about Celtic last season. Um, They're doing a podcast called So Rare Odyssey. Uh, It's fantastic, and some of the knowledge you get from the players worldwide on it is just bewildering, I have to say. And it's an addictive show as well. It's very well produced. It's... Full of fantastic trivia on players and actually spent a couple of Saturdays ago watching Wolfsburger against Austria-Vienna as part of the like, sort of game that they tell you to watch and everything. So I genuinely, I'm probably not giving it the promo it deserves here, but it's called So Rare Odyssey and if you search it on iTunes and Spotify and pretty much everywhere you get your podcasts, you'll genuinely enjoy it. I certainly do anyway and if you love football, it's the podcast for you. After this one, of course, Glasgow's Green, a.k.a. GigPod. Anyway, I'm Steve A. This has been episode 72. Thanks for tuning in. John, take it away from here. Right, thanks, Stevie. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, you know what to do by now. Where to find us on all the podcast platforms. Give us the usual five stars and great reviews and all that. We'll be back after the Ferenc Sparrows game to talk about that and do a preview of the Johnson game. We'll speak to you all then, and hail, hail.
Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.